Welcome to Dan Malloy's Personal Power Podcast. Get ready to up your communication and commitment game. Hear from those who have succeeded using Dan's program. And now, here's Dan Malloy. Good afternoon. Uncle Dan here. Hey, don't you just love that intro music? I love it. It makes me want to get up and dance, you know. Hey, listen, I want to talk about something very near and dear to my heart today, and uh, I think it should be for everybody, and it's, I want to talk about being in the middle of it, being in the middle of it, meaning that when you decide on what you want to do, you want to start a company, uh, you want to get married, you want to uh, do whatever, you pick a direction you declare what you're going to do, and then all of a sudden you start, and now it's it's a let's say it's a big project, you know, and and now you're in the middle of it, you know, and it's like, yikes, mentally. So let's look at it, be a little bit more. Uh, you're starting a company, and you have all these ideas. You're before you start it, you have this picture in your head, and. Um, how great it's going to be and how you're going to make all this money and how you're going to be doing this, that, and the other thing. And it's so cool and sexy. And, uh, and you, you know, you're just so excited about it and you get your book out and you're planning. I remember I did this when I started my first business at the age of like 26, 25, 26. Um, I decided I was going to start a, a home improvement business and a painting company. And uh, I quit my job in New York City where I had a good job. I was a, a good sales guy in New York. I was, this is in the early 70s. And I was selling computer supplies door to door in Manhattan to companies. You know, computer supplies back then were, uh, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say, 80 column tab cards. <laughs> it's like the Stone Ages, the Stone Ages of the computing era. And we had mag tapes. The mag tapes were like the, it looked like big uh, a cake tin. They were huge, big round discs. But the, the, the computing, um, obviously there were computers, <laughs> but the way you program computers back then, a lot of it was done by uh, uh, tab cards, punch cards, and that's what we, we made those and I sold those. Anyway, I had a good job and I was doing very well with the company and everything, so one day I walked into my boss and I said, look, I'm quitting, I'm going to start a home improvement business. He said, what are you, crazy? I said, no, this is what I want to do. And I, I, was, I was young, I was, I was newly married, and uh, uh, but I wanted to set it on my own, so I bought a... Uh, uh, I bought a van, uh, an old Ford Econoline van, and I, I got, went around, started handing out flyers, and you know just what I was doing in Manhattan. I was a sales guy, so I was now I was a home improvement sales guy, and it was my own business. And I never forget the first job I got was uh, painting this house in, in Ridgewood, New Jersey. It was a, a striated cedar shingle house, uh, not a Cape Cod. What was it? A split level, pretty big house. And I remember being in the middle of painting this house by myself with a four-inch paint, paintbrush. The White House, I remember, was on a cul-de-sac in Ridgewood, New Jersey. And here I am behind these bushes, hot. You know, it, it was like a hot day in the spring, and I'm, I'm painting by myself. Huge freak. If you ever painted a house by yourself with a four-inch paintbrush, it's like, it's like building the pyramids, you know? <laughs> building... <laughs> Billy's over in the corner laughing. He's my producer. He's laughing. It is. It's like, it's like building 
the pyramids. It's like climbing Mount Everest. It's like never-ending drudgery, you know, when you're covered in and, and the way I did it back in those days, I put one coat of oil-based primer on, which is like like painting with with honey on the end of a brush. It, anyway, it's just really challenging. I'm thinking to myself as I'm in the middle of my very first house that I was painting, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> Why am I doing this? What did I quit my job in New York for? And now I'm in the middle of this hell. And that was the first, <laughs> first job. And that's the, I mean, that's the way it is when you, when you, when you declare what you're going to do and you set off in a direction. I know the same thing comes up. I've never been, later on in life, when I turned uh, 55, I started doing uh, uh, triathlons, you know, and um, uh, that's similar in nature. I mean, be, the term in uh, triathlon, one of the key phrases is embrace the suck. Because it's going to suck. If you race, if you're racing, if you're competitive, which I was, you you race. I mean, you're going flat out. You go flat out in the water. You go flat out on the bike and you go flat out on the run and you're just gassed. And your heart rate gets up to like uh, uh, 156, 157 beats per minute and you keep it there for like three hours, you know. And But in the middle of it, I've never done a race Ever. I don't care if it's a quarter-mile race or a mile race or a, a half Ironman triathlon. I've never done a race where I'm trying to be competitive, where in the middle of the race I'm going, what the hell am I doing here? It's coming. Here's my point of this exercise. And I got a very, very, very interesting guest coming up, um, a fellow by, by the name of Manny Janot. And Manny is a client of mine, um, and he's a runner. And he's not a regular runner. Manny does ultra marathons. Uh, I'm going to let him explain. I'll get into that in a little while. But let me say, ultra marathons are not like what I did. I'm talking like I did a uh, I did a lot of uh, uh, half Ironman triathlons, and the half Ironman is 70.3 miles. But you're riding 56 of those miles on a bike, you know. And Manny does greater distances than that on foot. <laughs> as a runner, ultra, ultra marathons. So we're going to talk with him. And what I'm, what I'm really interested in is in, in talking about and exposing and putting out there on the table to look at is the following. And I don't care what you're doing. When you declare what you're going to do and you start to do it, there's going to be uh, typically times when you wonder what you're doing. It comes with the journey. In other words, it's a complete journey. When you declare you're going to become a home improvement guy, then in the middle of it, you're having problems. And you're going, why am I here? If you, if you declare you're going to run a marathon, and in the middle, halfway through the marathon, you go, my God, this sucks. My legs are killing me. I got a cramp in my calf. And I still have, you know, I still have 13 miles to go. What am I doing here? In, in a marriage, you know, <laughs> You declare you're going to get married. I know this may come off the wrong way, but it, it, it's true. You want, there's going to be times when you're going, what am I doing? What was I thinking? Why am I here? What am I doing? You know, and it, it always, it's always going to be like that. So it's really important to understand that when you declare and you give birth to something, the exact opposite is also born. The pain and suffering comes with it. The reasons why you shouldn't be there come with it. 
the good stuff and the bad stuff come together. They always do. That's the way life works. Everything is complete. Everything is whole. You don't just get the good stuff. No, you get the bad stuff. When you when you have your own company and you're rolling along and you're doing great, you have there's days when you're euphoric and it's just complete ecstasy. And then something happens and the next day it's just the complete opposite. So you, you you're going so you have to be able to, to to be able to look at life and you have to be able to look at your business or look at your athletic endeavor or whatever, your marriage, whatever you're doing and accept it as a whole. There's the the really good powerful stuff and then there's the negative stuff and it all comes complete it always does um so what i'm going to do what i want to do is i'm going to we're going to take a, a short break and then we're going to get back we're going to dial up manny Janot and we're going to have a discussion with manny about his world and about what it's like what it's like to be in a race that's a 120 mile race and you're at the 60 mile mark and your feet are blistered, and your shoes are wet, and you're in agony, and you still have 60 miles to go on foot. <laughs> interesting, interesting dilemma to be involved in, right? Um, and we'll talk with him about his what, what his next plans are, because this guy's always pushing the limits, looking to go where few people have gone. So we're going to take a little break right now, and we're going to come back with Mr. Manny Janot. Malloy Sales Development turns companies into commitment-based operations and their employees into commitment-based people because commitment for human beings is the foundation for everything. And in business, it's mission critical because the only time commerce happens in any company is when commitments are exchanged internally among employees and externally with customers and vendors. Visit us at W www.malloysales.com. Hey guys, how are you? Uncle Dan back again. And listen, I'm thrilled. I, I, I'm telling you, I'm thrilled. And this is going to be a very interesting conversation with Mr. Manny Janot. How are you, Manny? Doing well, Dan. Uh, thanks for the invite. Hey, you're welcome, my friend. Now, uh, Manny, why don't you tell everybody where you're at right now? What, what city and uh, what state and all that? Absolutely. Um, I'm in a huge metropolitan area of northeast mississippi called boonville mississippi uh <laughs> we're less than ten thousand in population <laughs> yeah so you were joking about that big huge ah uh, yeah yeah okay. yeah okay. mississippi so anyway i let me let me just share a little bit about i shared with a little bit in the previous uh uh in you know in the, when i opened the show uh, today about manny and about what he was up to in life and everything but uh i I became fascinated with it, and I'm inspired by what he does. And I'm, mostly I'm, I'm intrigued by the whole mental aspects of, of what he does as a, as a runner. So Manny does what we call ultra, ultra marathons. I don't even know if there's a word. If, if, when you do 120 mile, you did that last race of yours, that, that uh, Georgia death race. First of all, that... The death race really just makes me want to enroll right there, you know, and it's. <laughs> yeah, you know, just the, the very name of the race, it, it weeds out really your, your serious uh, runners. Uh, <laughs> uh, I can remember when I first got into doing ultra marathons, it was a little over three years ago, and I just kind of searching the internet, looking at YouTube videos, 
just trying to learn as much as I could about the sport because I just immediately fell in love with it. And I saw Georgia Death Race and watched a little, I don't know, 10-minute YouTube video uh, footage from the actual race. And those guys would have just as well been running on the moon as far as I was concerned of, of what I thought I could could ever do that. And then, um, yeah, just as kind of progressed over the next couple of years, I set it as a goal and was fortunate enough to get into the lottery system and get my name picked and uh, was able to finish it uh, last year. When did you start running? Um, I would say really, really started running in 2012. Um, had kind of played around with it a little bit before uh, then, but but really on a semi-consistent basis, three days a week, uh, was 2012. Um, I, I had some friends I went to church with. A lot of them are runners. And just I was kind of looking for something to – um, keep me in shape, something, you know, to do with friends and just, just kind of fell into it. How did you realize that you could run like forever? You know? <laughs> uh, now that was a process and, and I guess it's, it's similar with a lot of hobbies. You start out, um, you start out small and you kind of work your way up. Um, I started just mainly doing five K's. Uh, an occasional 10K, an occasional half marathon. And I can remember doing like my second or third half marathon and saying, I have no desire to ever do a full marathon. And, uh, <laughs> right, you right. know, I can relate to that. Believe things, me. Yeah. If things happen, um, my, one of my favorite races to do uh, for many, many years was, uh, St. Jude race in Memphis, Tennessee. And we would always do a fundraiser every year at my store to raise money at the children's hospital. And, uh, they kind of lead the country and, um, uh, finding cures for childhood cancers and many other things that they don't, uh, charge the, the families anything. And, uh, Anyway, so something I was very passionate about and did the half marathon for many, many years. And I remember going to sign up for it. And I just clicked on the full marathon button instead of the half. And I just thought <laughs> in my mind, you know, if I sign up for it, I'm going to do it. And that's kind of been always been my philosophy about many other things in life is I put that commitment forth to doing something. I'll find a way to do it. And, um, and that's kind of, kind of how it started. Once you hit the marathon, uh, distance, then really my mindset was what's next, you know, what can you do? What, you know, I didn't even, I was, I, I think you'd even mentioned to me before, you didn't even know a lot of these distances existed and, and that's the way I was. Um, but I had some, had some running friends that, wanted to get into doing the longer distance and kind of the standard uh, ultra marathon is a 50k uh, which for those of you that don't know the metric system is 31 miles um but but yeah and so uh, actually no it's interesting 50k i was in arizona when the guy set the world record for 50k 
yeah. I watched him. Yeah, he did the uh, he did the uh, San Diego Marathon, which is forty k, right? Yeah, forty two, I believe. Forty two k, and then and then he ran an extra ten k on top of that on a track. I and I watched him. Right. I watched him finish. Yeah, it was interesting. Absolutely. I forget the guy's name, but I have and, photographs of him. Yeah, doing it. But yeah, very 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 cool. So, go ahead. So yeah, so I did my first fifty k a little over three years ago, and then it was from there. It was fell in love not only with the distance, but also uh, all but one of my ultra marathons have been uh, off road. So are on trails, uh, various terrains and conditions. But um, you know, I still do most of my training on the road that's where you still get the bulk of your miles just because um convenience really but um but yeah all the all the races i do now are are kind of my bread and butter what i really like is is mountain races so um, yeah that's a challenge it's a challenge it's also you really got to focus and pay attention because it's very easy to to trip on a root of a tree or step or twist your ankle on a rock or so you got to be focused all the time. Absolutely. There are so many components to running off-road. Um, and you can speak to this, Dan. You know, when you're running on the road and you're running the same route, you know, week after week, day after day, you know, you can kind of find that happy place and zone out a little bit and let your mind kind of be free, um, you know, besides the fact of watching – for cars and whatnot but when you're off-road when you're on trails like you were saying your mind is constantly going um you know you have to be aware of the terrain that you're on whether it's rocks or roots or mud or a hole or a snake across the trail there's just uh there's just so many things that that can happen uh even just doing a training ride yeah yeah what made you think I mean, it's it's interesting to me. I, I said I wanted to try and get into the the, the mindset of uh, of what it takes. So you did your first marathon, kind of by accident, right? Yeah, just kind of to prove uh, prove to myself I could do it, and uh, you know, setting you know setting a goal that I didn't really I didn't necessarily have a. a a huge passion about at the time other than the um the cause that it was going for going to with the with the saint jude and and it i guess it was just it kind of was that first step of uh getting out of my comfort zone uh trying something that wasn't really sure if i could physically do it uh, or do it well you know you can you can walk a marathon if you've got enough hours to do it. But right, right. To do it in a you know in a, a semi-competitive uh, format. What was your time was, in your first marathon? Just curious. Uh, nothing great. I've never been a fast runner, but my very first one was I was trying to break four hours. Was kind of the the benchmark for a uh, you know a, a middle age you know semi overweight uh runner uh but i ended up with a four my very first one was a four thirteen so oh, just a little good. over four hours and that's good um i was i was happy with that and um uh, 
Yeah. yeah how so much weight? How, been, now that you're doing, you're doing. So all right. So you did your your marathon. Then what? Then you graduated to fifty k. Was that your next distance? Yeah. Yeah. So I did. Um, you know, I, I would say in that, those years, two thousand fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, I was just a casual runner. Uh, I would be serious for three or four months. I was training for a race and I might take off for a month or two and not run at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but was doing one to two marathons a year, somewhere in there. And then really 2017 is when I kind of got the bug for trail running. Mm-hmm. And once I did my first trail run, I had much better success doing that than doing a marathon. And there's just, you know, there's so many other aspects other than just running fast. You know, running a marathon, you're just trying to run it as fast as possible. Once you get into these longer distances, uh, plus with it being various terrains, um, there's just there's just a different concept to it. I mean, it is about trying to finish it as fast as you can. But if you go out there and just try to do all out for, you know, the first half the race, then you. Uh oh, we lost you, buddy. Okay, so it's, it's a lot about planning. He's and, back. Right. And um, you know, knowing the terrain that you're going to be on, how how fast you can push yourself. Um, you know, planning your stops. Um, with with a marathon, you usually only have to worry about hydration and not so much nutrition right putting those calories back in right uh with these longer distances it is a very key component to no it's critical finishing these races. Yeah, you'll never finish finish them well you'll never finish even if you don't have nutrition um let me let me That's here's right. a, as i opened up this podcast today i i was sharing with our listeners that whenever you start out on a journey in life you declare you're going to do your business. You have a successful business down there, tire auto repair and tire business, tire pros. Did you ever, when you were in the, when you started out in the business, were there ever times when you didn't think you would make it? Um, realistically, no. I've been blessed and been fortunate enough. Now I have had times where I would sacrifice. Um, maybe not pay myself for a period of time, um, to, you know, make sure all my employees were paid or make sure the bills were paid. Um, you know, those type of sacrifices, but never, never was at a point where I was concerned with, you know, having to close the doors or anything, anything like that. Well, I don't mean like that, but I mean, it's like, there's, I find that whenever you're engaged in something that's an endeavor, like running a marathon or ultra marathon or running a company, that there's moments in time when you're, when you're ecstatic about what you're doing. And then that could change because something happens, you know, and then you're going, Oh my God, what am I doing? Why am I here? What am I doing this for? (laughs) You question what what you're doing, you know? For sure. For sure. There's, you know, running any type of small business, uh, there's so many obstacles to overcome, whether it's your employees or your customers or, um, you know, the, the Corona, coronavirus, <laughs> coronavirus. Exactly. Right. Yeah. There's, right. um, yeah, it is, it is a, it is a constant battle to, 
maintain a small business in today's environment for sure. So with that in mind, here's what I'd like you to share with people uh, about running that Georgia death race, right? And then we can talk about what your plans are for the future. But here's what I'd like you to try and get into and explain and share with us. What's it like being at the halfway point in the Georgia death race mentally? That that race is very unique uh, because it is very uh, front-loaded. So the most difficult portion of that race is is the is the first half, uh, and even probably the first sixty percent. But um, the unique thing about that race, and 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 really all the races that I that I do races that I do is there there are what we call cutoffs so you know if you were to go out and run a half marathon or a marathon you've you've got pretty much if you can go out there and walk you're going to be able to finish well the races that i do there's not only an overall cutoff um and they do that for various reasons it's for the most part it's safety um so where we are uh particularly like like races like georgia death race where you're you're right there in the area where like where the Appalachian trail is in North Georgia is, you know, you have, um, you have bears and rattlesnakes and, you know, all those, uh, <laughs> other components that, uh, they, they want you off the mountain by a certain time so they can account for everyone. And so, um, but then you also have cutoffs throughout. So if you're not progressing at a certain pace, then you can be pulled as early as, mile 15 of a 75 mile race like georgia death race was but here's and what i so, hold on one second here's what i want to try and get to all, all the logistical stuff is great what i want to try and get to is and this i think offers hope for people because you finished the georgia death race right i did uh, that last year was uh, they had the lowest finish rate they've ever had uh, i think around 53 or 55 percent 55% finished it. That started. We finished the race. Okay. Well, here, here's what I want. <laughs> Manny, we're, we're beating around the bush here. I want to get to this. I want to try and okay. get, get to the mindset of, you know, it's this long. First of all, how long did it take you to do the Georgia death race? 120 mile race through the mountains. Well, Georgia death race is 75 miles now. The oh, 75 mile race. Yeah, the 120 mile race was one that I did this year, and that was in that was in that was the Wild Florida 120. Oh, Wild Florida! All right, I was getting my races confused. All right, let's st- <laughs> let's talk about the Wild okay. Florida 120 then, right? And okay, how long did that take to complete? What's the that one was a little over 33 hours. 30. That was a that was a long <laughs> long time. 33 <laughs> hours, right? So now you're at yeah. the halfway point. Describe to people what it's like being at the halfway point in that in that race. You know, sure. Your so condition. The your reason feet. why I touched. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the re- the reason why I touched on the the cutoffs uh, and and really to speak to that is um, throughout these races, particularly like the uh, Wild Florida One Twenty, you have you have aid stations. So you have every that race was every. Uh, 14 to 20 miles, you would have a, a, a point where you could access 
food and and hydration and even sometimes you could access your crew the people that are helping you and so for me what i do is i break these long races like that one up into smaller chunks so i'm looking to get to mile 20 and then from there i'm looking to get to mile 35 so instead of looking at the still looking at the big picture but but trying to break it up mentally really helps. Um, okay, that's, really helps that's a good point. Sure. But uh, but getting to the halfway point, um, that's where a lot of people dropped in this race because the conditions in Florida were uh, your feet were wet from mile one to mile one twenty. <laughs> so <laughs> we, you know you can have you can be in the best physical shape and you can even have the the mental drive and the desire to finish this thing. But if your feet are falling apart, it really tests your will, uh, to say the least. So a lot of the competitors end up dropping at the halfway point because their feet were just destroyed. Um, as well as mine were, I mean, there's, there's really not a secret to, keeping your feet in good condition, uh, in those, that type of atmosphere. And so you just got to do the best you can popping blisters, changing socks, changing shoes, and, um, and just dealing with it. So, um, you know, I, so what's going through your mind? What's uh, try and get in, (laughs) trying to get into the mind, mind of Manny, (laughs) Manny's mind. And, My uh, mind. What's it like um, sitting there? I mean, it's like, do you, do you doubt? Are you questioning? What are you? What are you? What are you thinking of? Are you sitting there popping blisters? And you got you still got sixty miles to go. For me, for me, you can't really let the doubt creep in. Um, you have to really focus on uh, focus on the things you can control. Um, okay. and not focus on the things you can't, like you can't control the weather. You can't control the terrain that you're going through. Uh, all of those things, this, the, every runner is having to face those same things. Well, what can you control? You can control your attitude. Uh, you can control, um, your drive for me. It's once I get into that environment, it, certain things have to be automatic um, and you have to let your mind get as far away from the pain as you can uh, because those long distance races, particularly that one dealing with your feet, um, you're going to be in a lot of pain from mile 50 to the end. So <laughs> it's just about what That's you like can 15, tolerate. 15 hours, 15 more hours of pain, you know. That's it. That's it. And it gets worse. And, and so, um, we call it the pain cave in the ultra community. It's, yeah. Well, in triathlon, know, we call it embrace the suck because it is going to suck. Embrace the suck. Yeah. Yeah. That is very true. I used to work out at a place um, called the pain cave. Cycling, so cycling I don't, place. I, I know that there's a possibility that I could not finish a race. But I, while I'm running, I don't I don't entertain those thoughts. Um, I just really look towards that next uh, that next aid station, that next checkpoint, if you will, and and just by breaking it up into smaller segments, it's easier to digest. Um, 
another thing that you learn in these races is you're going to have some really low lows and you have to be willing to push through those and know that uh it will get better um it may not get a lot better but it it will get better and um usually calories fixes a lot of things Mm -hmm. so if you're run down you're mentally fatigued you're you're just running out of gas if you will make yourself eat which is another hard thing to do in these races because you're you're using so much energy your 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 blood is going to your your leg muscles it wants to go away from your digestive system and so uh you lose your appetite and sometimes you get even sick at your stomach um so Eating is the last thing you really want to do, but it's something you have you to have do. to do. You have to yeah. force yourself. Right, right. I was when I was uh, doing the triathlons. I never did anything quite as long. I never did a, a full Ironman. I did a whole bunch of, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I did a whole bunch of uh, half Ironman races, which is right. Uh, One point two mile swim, fifty six mile bike, uh, you know, uh, event, followed by a half marathon, which was right like a five and a half to six hour race for me, you know, um, which was short by comparison. But I can tell you from personal experience that being in the middle of it, you know, and and I'm racing because I'm, I was competitive at the, you know, in in my age group. So it's pushing it, pushing it the whole time, you know, and just that you get to a point like you're going up hills or whatever on the bike. And it's just like, all you can do if you, you can't think of how long it is to your point I always think about what I what I can do now. What I can do now, like just keep, keep moving, keep moving forward, keep moving, keep moving, keep pedaling, keep running, whatever it is, one step in front of the other. But if you think, then all of a sudden you you wake up. <laughs> if you, hopefully you can go into like you said, into that happy place, and you go away for a while, you come back and you go, holy shit, here comes the uh, the, the finish line. You know, it's it's not that far away. You know, and uh, uh, very interesting. Interesting. What's probably next? the best? Go ahead. Probably the best feeling, even even maybe as as good or better than even crossing the finish line, is when you get to that distance. And it's different from every race I've done, but when you get to that distance and it clicks in your mind that, hey, I'm going to finish this race. <laughs> right, right. And it's right. it's just like you know, it's like the best feeling. And yeah. Um, so the what's the best? What do you like most about the race? Everybody always asks me that. What part do you like most about it? See what answer you have. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that would be tough to just narrow down to one thing. But uh, a lot of the reasons I like to do the races that I do is to see some of the most beautiful parts of our country um, that most people don't get to see. Um, you know, when you have to climb 3,000, 4,000 feet to see the most beautiful sunsets you've ever seen coming up over the mountains, um, it just, it just makes, makes it worth it, um, just to see those things. But, but really for me, it's, um, the, the ultra running community is such a really tight knit group. Uh, it's a very, uh, very family, very friendly atmosphere and you know i've met some really good friends over the years running um from all over the country and it's you know 
I'm there to help anybody that that's in need and, and vice versa. Um, and it's just, it's just a really cool experience. My, my mom actually goes to all of my races and crews for me. Really? And wow. so, yeah, it's a really cool time we get to spend together. Um, she's always been my, my biggest fan growing up and still is, I guess. God bless. That's fabulous. Fabulous. What's your, what's next for you? What, now we talked the other day, but please share with the audience, whoever's listening to this, um, about what you've got planned coming up and then we could wrap this thing up. Yeah, absolutely. So I was actually very fortunate to do three races this year, um, because I really had planned and, and I usually front load my race schedule pretty early. Uh, my son does travel sports. And so that takes up most of my spring into the summer, um, that I don't do races, um, to, to go to his, his baseball events. But, um, I got to do, um, my, the one we talked about, I got to do wild Florida 120. And then five weeks later, I got to do, uh, Chattanooga 100, uh, which was, was a really my style event. Uh, a lot of, a lot of climbing, uh, beautiful mountains, uh, beautiful scenery. And so, um, but normally I had one race that got canceled because of the quarantine. Oh, okay. And, uh, and uh, so, but actually, since you and I have talked, I uh, found a race I'm probably going to be signing up for today. It is, um, it's actually in Idaho, and it's a 100K, and the entire race is on the Continental Divide Trail. Wow. And the entire race is above 7,500 feet. Wow. All right. There uh, you go. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. I've, I've never done a race uh, on the West Coast, and I've never done a race above about 5,000 feet. So uh, that's another component that uh, you just don't know really till you get out there how your body's going to react and adjust to a higher altitude. So. Well, I would uh, recommend I would recommend that you go out there a week early and just to get acclimated. Mm. Yeah, that's that's kind of what's holding me back now is trying to fit all that in. Um, so I'm going to make a decision. So there's only six spots left, and so they're going to fill up fairly quickly. But uh, but that's the that's really the only thing on my horizon because of uh, because of the quarantine. Race directors are just kind of on the fence right now. They don't know. Yeah, I hear you. If if we'll be racing in the fall or we'll so, what have you learned? Let me ask year. you a question. Now you've been doing all this mm-hmm. stuff. You've done some remarkable things. I mean, really, just amazing that most people look at and they go, "How the hell does he do that?" What is the message that you have for everybody? Um, you know, the message I share with some of my customers and some of my friends that ask me about my running, and and I get this a lot. I get a lot of people say you know, man, I wish I could do that. Or I wish I could run. Um, you know, not a little, a lot of people have the aspirations of doing, um, the, the, the tough races that I do, but they just, they just mentioned that I'd like to run or I used to run or this or that. And, you know, what I share with them is I was, I was not an athlete in school. I didn't do any sports in school. I'm not athletic now. Uh, I'm just an average person that, um, sets goals and puts in the work to achieve those goals. And, and that's, that's kind of what's led me to do 
the harder races, what's next, what's on the next horizon is trying to find what those limits are mm-hmm. for, for me. Sure. And, and so you and I had talked, uh, a few days ago, you know, my two to three year plan is kind of the next level with now that I've done some hundred mile races is there's some 200 plus mile races. And, <laughs> and so, you know, that's kind of figuring out what, what my limitations are. And I, and I really feel like, um, you know, the human body can do some crazy, amazing things, but it, it, we use a, we use a term called mental toughness and, and that's really your ability to push your body with your mind when both are wanting to quit. You know, your, your body will tell you pretty quickly that it's, it's done. It'll, it'll <laughs> tell you with pain. It'll right. tell you with fatigue. It will right. tell you with cramps. Uh, it'll say, uh, let's stop, you know, whether right. you may be getting sleepy, you've been up for 30 hours doing a race. Um, and so your, your mind, you have to have the mental toughness to continue to tell your body, no, we're not stopping. We're, we're keep, we're going to keep going. And, um, you know, that's, that's a lot of the things that I've learned, you know, from doing these races for sure. Well, it's fabulous. I I'm thrilled. I always love hearing your stories. You know that I'm a, I'm a big <laughs> running, running, running fan and a fan of what you're doing. And, uh, um, I can sing for three hours now, but I can't run anymore. <laughs> Not like you. Not like you. Well, I'll get you back. I'll get you back out there, Dave. Yeah, I will. We got, uh, we got I'm up to four miles now. I could do four miles. That's about it. Right. Anyway, Manny, it's been a pleasure. Um, we'll catch up with you during the week, and I appreciate what you're doing. And, uh, you know, listen, I appreciate you being here. Um, and, and I'm sure what you do makes a difference for other people that hear of your exploits, inspires them. You know, that they can do it, you know, so it's very cool. Very cool. Thank you, Manny, for being here. Okay, hey, this is Uncle Dan. We're going to say goodbye to Manny now. We had a great conversation with him. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back to you. Dan Malloy's Personal Power Blueprint is a game changer. This podcast is designed to open the door to unlimited personal power by teaching you how to communicate more effectively and to sell more. It's based on a philosophy Dan developed called the language of commitment. Listen and subscribe at www.malloysales.com. Hey guys, Uncle Dan back here again. And uh, listen, I was thrilled to have Manny with us today. Uh, And I want to just wrap this up by saying, listen, people, that's you, that's me, everybody here, can do way more than you think you can do. That's the point. And I think that that was Manny's, that's how I would encapsulate Manny's message. That's my message and what I've done, you know, in my life, business, music, athletically. You, If you can get the mind out of the way and just keep moving forward, you'll be fine. You, and you can do much more, way more than you think you can do. Uh, uh, the mind is the limiting factor. And it's also, you know, there's there's another piece there. There's the observer of the mind, if you know what I mean, that keeps you going. But listen, the other thing is I want to let you know that next week on the next podcast, I mean, I've got a very exciting guest, uh, a friend of mine that's won a whole bunch of Emmy Awards. Uh, he holds, uh, he's got two Super Bowl rings that he earned, and he's not a football player. That's going to be interesting to talk about that one. <laughs> And he's a, he's a visionary. The guy is a real visionary, a very smart guy, and we're going to be talking about uh, communication, 
uh, the future of communication, online communication, uh, entertainment, uh, all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be very interesting. His name is Joe Farrow. So uh, we'll, we'll catch up with Joe uh, in the next podcast. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.